Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. Are you currently walking through a specific valley and looking for resources to help you in your pain? I think we can all attest to the fact that there is tremendous comfort in hearing from those who have walked a similar path and have found hope and healing on the other side. That's why we've created collections of resources called Curated Pathways to help you navigate your specific pain points. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place to speak to what you're experiencing right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. I mean, let's admit it. When you're facing a crisis, loss, or trauma, you just don't have the time, energy, or emotional bandwidth to search for or wade through all of the resources that could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways have to offer by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted curated pathways, as well as our entire library of masterclasses, bonus episodes, live coaching, live events, replays, and more. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows. Our team has been working very hard on this to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you or to friends and family that you know who are going through a tough time. We know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, or get a taste of our curated pathways by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. You can find both of those links in the show notes of this episode. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story, and we're committed to giving you resources in an easy way for you to access those so that you can do just that. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts... Davy Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Davy. And we have a really good conversation for you today. It's um, a little bit different. We haven't focused on this a whole lot, Aubrey. And uh, there's a reason for this. We haven't focused on singleness as a, as a mm. pain point because it's not implicitly, like, you know, inherently, it's not a pain point. It's not something in and right. of itself, right? It's but right. however we often view it as a pain point. It's painful in the midst of sometimes like depending on what your expectations are and stuff. And so so this becomes a kind of a, a shifting conversation for us and all this. But we have um our guest today is Mandy Hale, who is a blogger turned New York Times bestseller and speaker. And she created this really crazy social media movement called the single woman. Right. So cool. And it's very cool. Um, and so this thing has just kind of grown like wildfire. And uh, and, and now she's releasing a, a book called Turn Toward the Sun. Uh, and I love the subtitle of this because mm-hmm. this is, I think, 
probably one of the one of the main motifs that we have to lean into when it comes to wrestling with our stories. Here's the subtitle: releasing what if and embracing what is. Oh, so I feel like that is a lesson I'm trying to learn every single day. That is I so mean, good. What yeah. a profound title. Just mm-hmm. a, a bite-sized phrase right there that can really inform so much of how we go from pain to purpose. Yeah. And in it, she shares some of her own dating challenges and disappointments uh, mm-hmm. through COVID and other, you know, different seasons and stuff. And, and but how is she this I mean, and we lean in on this quite a bit, this idea of embracing what is. And wow. um this pertains to singleness. This pertains yeah. to any season that you come into, mountaintop experiences, valleys, yes. pains, tragedy, trauma, major yes. life transitions, whatever it is, embracing what is, is so mm. imperative in you experiencing healing and wholeness in it. And so I want you, as you're listening to this, not to just like dismiss it because you're like, well, I'm not single, I'm married, I don't need to, no. I want you to take this principle, right? yeah. extrapolate it and go, well, what does this look like in my life? And as you listen to Mandy talk about this, I think it's going to be really challenging for you as well. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for us to, um, to listen to her. But before we do, I have a, a really good review to share. And uh, we love sharing our reviews. We want to remind you that if the podcast means anything to you, if you feel like um, the Lord has spoken to you here, yeah. um, it's our passion that more and more people experience your stories that we yeah. share here and nothing is wasted um, because we want God to do more and more healing. Absolutely. And so um, this is one of those very practical ways. Like if you're a fan or a follower of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, uh, going over to Apple Podcasts and doing a, a review and rating yeah. us, it really helps get the word out. So let me yeah. read this one to you. This one was cool. This podcast is like a toolbox of practical wisdom mm. and godly encouragement for navigating pain in life. Wow. Even if an episode's topic doesn't reflect my own experience, there is still value in the precious vulnerability these guests display in sharing their stories. Wow. So good. Not a good one. Well, there it is. I mean, that person just said it. Even if you're not going through the exact same thing that our guests are going through, you can definitely, there's transferable principles all over. So let's go ahead. And with that, let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Mandy Hale. Mandy, it's so great to have you on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, well, you, you know, I, I would love for you to share a little bit about who you are, where you live, what, you know, kind of uh, your life right now. And and then I want to talk about uh, a subject that you talk about quite a bit. And I'm really excited to have this conversation. But before we dive into it, please tell us a little bit about who you are in case our community is not familiar with you. Sure. I am Mandy Hale. Um, I live just outside Nashville, Tennessee, and I am the creator of The Single Woman, which is a a brand and a social media movement um, that is really designed to inspire and encourage um, and bring hope and inspiration and maybe healing and even a little humor to the Mm -hmm. lives of single women across the world. And I've also had the wonderful opportunity to um, write six books and that all, they, they're not all about singleness. It's really just sort of, um, life in general that I write about now, but, uh, yeah, so I, I get to do this very cool job of, um, working with and ministering to single women. And it's a huge privilege. That's awesome. That's a, it's such an incredible space that you're in, in terms of just, you know, 
your willingness to just step into it, lean into it and say, hey, let's talk about an issue that, uh, you know, pe- people t- sometimes don't like to talk about in church world. Uh, you know, it's a, it's like, how do we address this? How do we talk about this? But it's a very real pain point. Uh, it can seem like this waiting season or right. a season where you're kind of, you know, waiting for some kind of result or outcome and then it feels very elusive and it, like it's not going to come. And so where do I find myself in life and in this world when I'm in this waiting season? I love that you do it so candidly uh, and like you said, with with so much humor. Um, but but I think that's where I'd love to I'd love to start. You know, maybe we start with your experience and what what is it that brought you into this space to say, hey, I, I see a need. I want to I know that I'm experiencing some things, some pain points that um, other people must be as well. Can, can you share with us a little bit of your own journey that inspired this? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was about, well, it's over a decade ago now. I was on the flip side of what was, in hindsight, an extremely unhealthy relationship. I had just gone through a pretty significant breakup. That We were together for about two years. And I was in this space of, you know, being single again and a little bit heartbroken and a little bit um, uncertain about what was coming next. But at the same time, feeling, you know, strong and empowered and, hey, I walked away from this, this really negative relationship that wasn't good for me. And now I kind of want to, you know, celebrate that fact. And I was, Mm. I really started looking around for, anyone, anything, uh, any books, any social media platforms, any people, any, any movement whatsoever that was speaking about singleness in a positive light to sort of connect with, because that's what I do. I'm a reader. I'm, 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 I like to educate myself. I like to, anytime I'm going through something or, or entering a new season of life, I like to kind of glean all I can from other people who have walked through what I'm walking into. And it just wasn't there. And I thought, wow, there's really nobody out there talking about singleness in a positive way. So maybe if I can't find it, then maybe I will just become it. And so at the time, I actually set, I had set a New Year's resolution for myself. I think it was possibly the only one I've ever kept in my life to start writing creatively on the side because I was working in full-time public relations for a technology company. And Great job, but just wasn't very creatively yeah. stimulating. So yeah. I started a little blog on the side and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to write about my life and my journey and singleness and where I'm at and where I've been and where I hope to go. And we'll see if anybody connects with it. And very quickly, people started to connect with it. And wow. women um, you know, started just a very little unassuming Twitter page uh, to sort of promote the blog and um, wanted to be the single lady because at that time the Beyonce songs, all the single <laughs> ladies was really popular and the single lady was already taken. So then I chose the single woman and it was amazingly available and I sort of unknowingly branded myself in that moment. But I mean, very quickly the Twitter page just started to explode and women started to just really connect with the message and, and the, the thing I kept hearing was, hey, you know, you're giving us a voice and you're, you are, you know, speaking life and hope and 
encouragement about singleness and you're not, it's not gloom and doom and you're more likely right. to be struck by lightning than to be married after the age of 35. And yeah. yeah, so I just saw like what a huge void it was and what a need it was and how single women just like me were out there looking for someone to speak for them in a way that, that felt, you know, good and positive and yeah. um, hopeful. Yeah. And, and you might say purposeful, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think sometimes, and this is what you speak to quite a bit, is that it, it can feel like this quote-unquote season of singleness is an aimless, purposeless season where you're just kind of, you know, on tiptoe awaiting for when you finally arrive at this season where your life changes because of marriage and you found that somebody. And now you can step into the life that God has for you, Right. And that can be the subtle messaging of our culture, especially Christian culture. You know, I mean, I grew I grew up going to a uh, a Christian college where the joke was ring by spring, right? And if you, I mean, there's you're getting married early as, as a because you know uh, for for many reasons, right? Purity was one of those reasons where you're like, well, we can't wait, so we got to go ahead and get married, and you know, so it's. And, but if you graduated college from this small Christian college and you weren't already you know, at least having plans for a marriage with someone, then, whoa, what, okay, something's going on. And so that messaging has leaked into our culture. I love that you spend a lot of time talking about that. This is not just a season where you just kind of anxiously await getting married, but this is actually a season to be embraced that's purposeful. Um, can, can, you, can you talk about that a little bit, that distinction? Because that is... That's a very important distinction, but also a very subtle one. Yeah, there's a quote by Bishop T.D. Jakes, and he says, single people don't live, they wait. And that mm. speaks such volumes, because I, I do think it's sort of, an, it's almost instilled in us to, well, you know, just wait faithfully, your time is coming, and you know, it's not a bad thing or a negative to negative thing to want to be married and to have hope and, you know, be prayerful and and a, a, a vision that marriage is is something that's for you. I mean, I, I, I still hope to be married at some point in my life myself. But I think if you pin all of your hopes and dreams and life's purpose on that, you are literally missing out on your, the entire plan for your life. I mean, if I had, if I, for me, it was, you know, I had to make the choice. Am I going to sit around and wait for this magical day when, you know, Prince Charming gallops in on his white horse and rescues me from my life? Or am I going to create a life that I don't want to be rescued from? And I don't mm. need to be rescued from because yeah, I mean, we can spend our whole lives and it, it's not just when it comes to marriage. Marriage is definitely a big one, but I think that some people, there's always that tendency, oh, I'm going to wait till I get married. I'm going to wait till I have children. I'm going to wait till I buy a house. I'm going to wait till I graduate, till I get my dream job, blah, blah, blah. You know, the list goes on and on. But if you're in a constant holding pattern of waiting till that next big thing to be happy, to, to find purpose, to, to follow your dreams and to step into, you know, the plan for your life, then you're, you're literally just going to spend your entire life waiting. 
Mm. Whereas if you look at my life, I, I assumed I would be married in my twenties and then I assumed I would be married in my thirties and now I'm 43 and I'm still unmarried. And if I had just, you know, sort of been sitting around twiddling my thumbs, waiting, 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 I would have wasted years and years of my life and not just of my life, but of my life's purpose. Yeah. And I can see so clearly in hindsight that this was always the plan for me. Now, is it the plan for me to be single forever? I hope not. If, you know, if it is, we'll roll with it and I'll make it work. But I had to be single in order to realize, you know, God's purpose for my life. And maybe everybody's purpose isn't to write a blog or to write books or to, to speak to singleness in a positive way. But there are many other things that you could be doing with your life. And there are many other um you know, there's a greater destiny for you, for you as a human being that has absolutely nothing to do with another person, absolutely nothing whatsoever. And that's not to say that another person coming into your life at some point isn't going to, you know, add to your destiny. And the two of you are going to realize this really great purpose together. That very well may be the case, but that does not negate the fact that you individually You were created as you were for a purpose. You are walking in the season that you are for a reason. And there is a greater plan for your life, for your life, that has, you don't need another person to realize. Um, I have a quote in my very first book, you don't need a significant other to lead a significant life. Mm. And that still rings true. Wow. That is so good. That's so good. I remember reading a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called... um, better together, had nothing to do with marriage. It was all about community, right? It's all about the idea of community. But one of the things that he, one of the assertions that he made was that um, often people can lose their personhood in community. And and I think you can say the same thing about marriage, right? You lose your, your sense of individuality and personhood. The reality is, is in marriage, two become one. That's what scripture says, two become one flesh. However, those two are still two very distinct persons, right? Their life is just aligned in such a way that they become quote unquote one flesh, but we can, that that can get so melded together in, in the culture of, especially Christian culture when it comes to marriage, that now you no longer have a personhood, but God created you with a unique and distinct Imago Dei, right? With the image of God he put in you with a distinct calling, distinct purpose, distinct intimacy that he wants to have with you. And so you're right. That I love that quote that just because you don't have a significant other does not mean you you can't lead a significant life. In fact, God calls each one of us to lead a significant life based on our own personhood and uniqueness. And in order to make a great marriage happen, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this about community, in order to make a great marriage happen, I would think that you would have to retain a really strong personhood. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I because mean, that's another, what brings the dynamic to the marriage. Yeah. And another person, they cannot, you know, there's, we have all these movies, the Hollywood, you complete me. And you, <laughs> another person cannot complete you. That's just not, they, they can't make you happy. They can't make you joyful. They can't make you, you know, more more meaningful or more, you know, anything. Another person can only add to what you already are. And I think that kind of gets lost in translation because we are kind of looking for the fairy tale, the quote unquote fairy tale and the Hollywood ending. And it's like, and again, those are all beautiful dreams to have, but I just, 
I feel like if you wait around for someone to quote unquote complete you, you will always be incomplete because even if you do get married at some point, you're going to be looking to that person, that very human, imperfect person to fill a void in you that cannot be filled by another human being. I mean, we know we all, we've all chased relationships to, for the wrong reasons and to fill voids in us that cannot be filled by anything other than God. So if you approach a marriage or a relationship at all from a place of lack where you're already like, Oh, I'm empty and I need to be completed. I'm, I'm half of a person. I'm broken. I'm that's just a recipe for disaster anyway. So even if you do at some point, you know, find your person and get married, you're going to be looking to them to be this, this sort of cure all be all end all the the beginning and end your security, your peace, your happiness, your joy, your meaning, your purpose, and no other human being, no other fallible, you know, human being can ever, ever do those things. Right. Right. That's so good. So, um, let me set up this question with a little context. Um, you know, most of the time on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, we're talking about trauma, tragedy, major life transitions, you know, that that uh, incite a season of pain and suffering in your life where God shows up and he meets you. And so many times we're talking stories of, you know, divorce, loss, um, you know, and when I say loss, I mean actual physical loss of a family member, loss of a child, loss of a parent, loss of a sibling, loss of a spouse, um, chronic pain, uh, you know, um, sexual betrayal, abuse, some of these things that are very clearly pain or it's pain seasons, right? Singleness in and of itself is not, and I want, I, I want to say this because our, our former uh, podcast producer, Taylor Carlier, who shared her story on, on the podcast before she would always remind me singleness in and of itself is not a pain point, right? It's not pain. However, the mindset that we bring into it can cause these ripple effects of pain and we can experience singleness in a very painful way for sure. Um, and there are certain seasons of singleness that are a result of some painful things that have happened. Right. So I would be curious as we kind of were launching into this, Mandy, what in your, as you in your journey of singleness, what are some of those big pain points that you've run up against? where you're like, oh, this is painful. This hurt. Like, you know, kind of speak to that because I know that that so many of our listeners are experiencing that as well. Well, I think, um, and this is, you know, a journey that I share in, in my latest book, Turn Toward the Sun. Like, I think for single people in particular, we really experienced the pandemic in a completely different way than people who had a partner or, you know, a, a spouse or, or whatever who were in a relationship or married or had children and, you know, built in community. I think that just the isolation of that whole season of, okay, well, everybody, we don't really know what's going on. Everybody needs to stay home. And, you know, it, it lasted longer for some, for me in particular, because of the fact that I have very high risk parents. And I was trying to be really, really protective of them. But it's in those moments when you find yourself, you know, completely alone and you don't, and it's a very, I mean, I think more so in my lifetime than any, any time I can remember, I think our world right now is a very kind of dark, scary place. And 
in those moments, um, no matter how well adjusted you are, no matter how much you might love and appreciate your, um, your independence and your solitude, which I very much do, you still have those moments where it's like, gosh, it feels like the world is ending and I'm alone. Um, I, I don't have, you know, and then I also went through in 2020, the back-to-back diagnosis of both of my parents being diagnosed with cancer within a month of one another. And my parents are my best friends. And so, and I I went through it alone. You know, I didn't have a a partner. I didn't have a teammate. I didn't have a helpmate. I didn't have a a person. Um, And so I think in those moments for me is when singleness, it's very starkly, you know, clear to me, like, okay, these are the moments when it would be really, really great to have someone to come home to, to have someone just to lay my head on their shoulder and cry, to have someone to tell me it's going to be okay and to hold my hand and, you know, stand beside me through whatever life challenges I might face. Um, yeah, I mean, those moments are very, um, they can be very lonely and very sad. And as much as I speak about you know, learning to love and embrace your single life. I'll also very much speak about the flip side of, yes, no matter how, you know, confident and happy and joyful and sure of yourself and and walking in your purpose that you are, walking through life alone has challenges. It just does. And yeah, I mean, I think it's okay to say that. I think that you can have, it's the tension of, saying, Hey, I'm not going to sit around and just waste my singleness. I'm not going to sit around and wait for a magical day when, when I get married to make my life complete and to fulfill my life's purpose. You can be that person, but then you can also say, but sometimes I feel lonely and sometimes I feel sad. And sometimes I just want someone here with me. It's okay to be both of those things. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm hearing you say, Mandy, is that a lot of the pervasive feelings that you experience, at, you know, in singleness is loneliness, and you know, a, a feeling of not having uh, somebody other than you to kind of walk through different circumstances and, and seasons together, and you know, that's very real. That's very, like you said, that is a very, um, and it, it can be a very painful stark reality that will hit you in some very difficult moments to your point, this pandemic and feeling so isolated, so pulled away from everybody else, you know, um, oftentimes in singleness, we can, um, assuage some of that with friendships and going out with people and hanging out and, you know, and that was all shut down during the pandemic. And so it can create that even greater sense of loneliness. And at the same time, not to detract from that, how many marriages do we see that fell apart in the middle of COVID as well? Possibly because of the recognition of that exact feeling of like, I'm feeling alone, right? Like there's this partnership, there's this thing that I thought was supposed to be, and yet I feel this sense of loneliness, you know, um, that we're just not, we're not, we're not there. Like we on the same page or whatever, or this marriage is broken or we've everything else has hidden this and now it's being exposed, you know? So there's just so much of a, these emotions will, will visit us 
in very real ways in a lot of different seasons. Um, which brings me to my next point, this idea, or my next question is this idea of embracing, finding contentment. This is what you talk about quite a bit. Uh, to what degree does that really, um, uh, does that really help in this, in this season of, uh, of singleness that people are experiencing? Like this idea of embracing this season, how, how does that help me to navigate that season a little bit easier, especially in seasons like COVID where I'm feeling these very real, like, I don't want to embrace this. I'm feeling real. This hurts. This is lonely. This is a struggle, you know? Yeah. Well, something my therapist said to me, um, in the midst of, you know, all the pandemic craziness. And she was like, Mandy, you have, you know, been through a pandemic alone. There is nothing you cannot do at this point. And I think that was really like an eye-opening realization for me because I think if there was, if nothing is truly wasted, I think if there was a silver lining of the awful pandemic and the isolation and the just everything shutting down, um, it was learning for perhaps the first time in my life, as much as I have written about and blogged about and tweeted about and Facebooked about and examined the idea of embracing your solitude and um, kind of learning to love your own company. I don't think until the world shut down, I've really fully embraced my singleness. And Mm. in the early days of the pandemic, you know, I was baking a lot, like everybody, you know, went through the whole banana bread phase and (laughs) was doing puzzles and was knitting and, you know, reading a lot of books and just doing a lot of things that were, you know, just really, really simple, but at the same time, really, you know, sort of soul enriching. It was like, okay, I'm just spending time with me because I had been through a very, very social season of constantly on the go and doing all the fun holiday things. And, you know, then all of that shut down very, very quickly. I mean, we went from normal life to abnormal life and it felt like the span of 24 hours. And So it was one of those moments in life where it was like, okay, either you learn to set with yourself, like really, truly set with yourself and your aloneness and your solitude, and you learn to appreciate your own company, or you are going to be miserable for an undefined amount of time. So, and I think that that's what so many of us are guilty of doing we almost avoid that setting with ourselves, whether it's through social activities or relationships or career or working out or even church sometimes being so involved in volunteering and serving that you never truly have to just set with you. And if you haven't had the opportunity to do that, you really truly haven't had the opportunity to get to know yourself, to get to, to not just, I mean, we talk a lot about loving yourself, but do you like yourself? Do you, do you enjoy spending time with you? And if you don't, I mean, honestly, I think the question could be asked, how can you expect anyone else to enjoy spending time with you if you don't enjoy spending time with you first? So I think for me, it was just, and I think the pandemic was clarifying for a lot of people in a lot of ways, but for me, it was that, okay, I actually have learned that I really love spending time by myself and I really love just hanging out with me. And yes, when the world opens back up, sure. I want to start being social and seeing friends and doing things again and dating and doing all the things that come along with quote unquote normal life. 
But am I still going to carve out time just to hang out with me and just to, you know, read or journal on my porch or, you know, watch a great movie or whatever the case may be. Um, So, yeah, I think you really have to get really, really honest with yourself and say, what am I hiding out in? Because you can hide out in church just as easily as you can hide out in a relationship. And if you are constantly avoiding being by yourself, um, you're never going to make peace, truly make peace and embrace and love your singleness. Yeah, that's so good. And what what you're not talking about, you're not talking about a a navel-gazing narcissism here where it's like, I love myself. You're talking about a contentedness in who God has created you to be. You know, there's there's a peace that flows from a peace with God. It is a peace with ourselves that flows from that. So, so regardless, right, of even the things, the, the minute things that we don't like about ourselves or the things that we, you know, would do differently about ourselves, you, you, we all have to get to this place where we find peace with who God made us to be and the image of Christ inside of each one of us. And that flows from having peace with God. And what's crazy, but also very, um, poignant is that we, the only way we can find that is often in those spaces of being alone. Yes. And the thing is, no matter, no matter if you get married, if you, whatever the situation may be, the only person that you are absolutely guaranteed to walk through this entire, the entirety of your life with is yourself. Because even if you get married, you might lose your spouse first, or you're, you know, you're going to lose your parents. You're going to lose your friends at some point. I mean, it sounds almost a little bit depressing, but it is the stark reality of life that the one person that you walk with throughout your entire life is yourself. So if you can't learn to make peace with you and to embrace everything about yourself, the good and the bad, the the, the dark and the light, um, exactly who God created you to be. And if you can't, I'll go one step further and say, if you can't learn to just really, truly love and enjoy your own company and spending time in your own presence, you're never going to be happy and marriage isn't going to be the, the, the magical solution to that. It's just not because again, it goes back to that void of I'm not enough on my own. So I need someone else to come in and fill it. And when when you learn to be okay on your own, then you find yourself inviting people into your life to complement it, not to quote unquote, complete it. Right. That's so good. And and you're going to end up expecting, uh, having unrealistic expectations of somebody else, right? And even, even your servitude of somebody else, right? Life is meaningful because we serve others. That's what makes life meaningful is that we're able to get outside of ourselves and serve others. But even your servitude will be tainted because it will be out of some kind of expectation of that other person, right? It's subtle. It can be very subtle. If you're not content with who you are in Christ, you know, and, 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 and a contentedness with who we are in Christ brings about a willingness of self-sacrifice and servitude of other people that, with no strings attached. You know what I mean? Uh, but if you don't find that contentedness, if you don't have that in who you are in Christ, you're going to serve other people with these strings attached. You're going to have expectations of your future husband, your future wife, your, you know, the community that, you're, that you roll in because you haven't found peace and contentedness in yourself and who you are, who the Lord has made you to be. And that's, you know, what you're saying, Mandy, I mean, when I lost my wife in 2015, I never thought that I would live life without her. Never thought. 
That didn't, that never came. There was not a, you know, as I was, as we were dating, as we were dreaming and planning for our lives together, there was not this, oh, you know what? We're going to be married for seven years and then I'll be without you, you know, for the rest of my life at age 30. I'm going to, you know, and so that was a very real place of wrestling of having to come back to who am I in this, in this season of singleness and therefore season of loneliness. And, and Elizabeth Elliott's book, The Path of Loneliness, I've mentioned it on the podcast before, became a very powerful book for me to read um, because God invites us into deeper intimacy with him, which is ultimately our true satisfaction um, in those seasons of loneliness. Yeah, I mean, if you're never truly alone, again, even if you're going to church every time the doors are open, Mm -hmm. even if, and I've been there, I've been where I was like serving to the point of, I could, I didn't even have time for a relationship with God because I was doing children's church. I was doing greeting. I was doing student ministry. I was doing this, this, and this. And in the midst of all of that, somehow, you know, my, my relationship with God got lost and Whereas I found that in the seasons when I'm just more just me, not, and that's not to say don't serve, but I guess the point I'm making is when I found all the busyness has gone away and all the hustle and bustle has faded away and it's just me, um, that's when I'm able to connect um, with God in, in such a powerful way. And I think if you're constantly dodging that, solitude and that alone time, you're also missing out on so much because, you know, he can't, God can't, you can't, he's not going to shout over the crowd. You know, he's not going to compete with anything for your attention. He is the still small voice. And if you don't ever get still and have some quiet and some, you know, just, just you and him face to face time, you're going to completely miss that still small voice. That's so good. That's so good, Mandy. Hey friend, I'm wondering if you or someone you know has been impacted by the loss of a loved one by suicide. We know how confusing, shocking, and painful any loss can be, but especially when it comes in such a tragic, sudden, and oftentimes surprising way. This is why we want to invite you to join us on Thursday, September 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for our upcoming masterclass, Surviving the Unthinkable, Finding God in the Aftermath of Suicide, with our very own Nothing is Wasted certified coach, Brooke Talley. Now, if you haven't heard Brooke's story, you need to go and listen to my conversation with her in episode 181, where she describes the heartache she experienced in losing her husband to suicide and also the hope she's found in Christ since then. And I'm telling you, if you've not met Brooke or heard her, she is a woman that exudes hope. In this upcoming masterclass, Brooke's going to talk with us about how to untangle common emotional experiences like shock, shame, and guilt in the aftermath of suicide, how to embrace mystery with a childlike faith. Uh, We're gonna talk about the cost of forgiveness, and also the necessity of it. And, and, and she's going to talk about naming the truth of God's character in dark spaces and so much more. You're not going to want to miss this masterclass. If you or someone you love have been impacted by suicide, you need to be a part of this important conversation by simply signing up at nothingiswasted.com slash 
masterclass. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass. Once you register, you'll receive an email that will tell you exactly how to join the live event on September 15th. Now, if you can't make it live and you want to catch the replay, all of our masterclass replays are available exclusively to our Community Plus members for just $20 a month or $200 a year. There on Community Plus, you can access all of our Nothing Is Wasted content library, including past masterclasses, curated pathways, live coaching replays, bonus episodes, and more. I especially like our many courses that we offer there on Community Plus. So in order to join Community Plus, go to nothingiswasted.com slash Community Plus. Both the Masterclass link and the Community Plus link will be here in the show notes. You can easily access both of those from the show notes. We wish you never had to experience the pain of losing someone you love to suicide. But we know that even in the depths of that pain, you can partner with God to take back your story and you can experience healing and hope. I really hope you'll join us, join Brooke on September 15th for this really special, special event. You know, you, you talked about how a lot of this was inspired for you out of this breakup. Um, it was a very painful experience for you. I know there are probably a lot of people who are listening to this and they've just recently experienced the same thing. Uh, breakup of a dating relationship, breakup of an engagement, maybe even a, a breakup of a marriage and, and a separation or divorce. And they're at that place of feeling this real raw pain. If you were sitting down having coffee with that person, what would you, what would you say to them? I would say it gets better. I would say that there is as, as counterintuitive as it might sound, um, there's really no better time for clarifying like what you truly want out of your life and your future and your faith and, you know, yourself than after a breakup. I think that there's a quote in the new book that says sometimes the storm levels us and sometimes the storm helps us level up. And I think that this, you know, this moment, it's, it's very much on the other side of any sort of painful loss. It's very much a blank slate. Um, it's very much like a new beginning, a clean, just a, it's like you erase the, the whiteboard clean and you can fill it up with whatever, whatever you want your life to be and, and become and look like. Um, so I think that the first thing is you have to, you have to let yourself feel all the feelings. You can't hide from the grief. You can't outrun the heartbreak. You can't out socialize the heartbreak. You have to set in it. You have to let it wash over you because the only way to, you know, to heal it is to feel it. So I think that's step one. I think you have to allow yourself to go through. There are lessons to be had to be learned on the floor. So if you are on the floor, in fetal position on your knees, you feel like your life is ending. Stay there for a little while. You don't have to get up right this minute. Stay there. There are lessons to be learned down there. And when you're, when the moment is right and when the time is right and when you're ready, get up and start your life again. And Mm -hmm. just know that what I have learned in my 43 years of living, um, and however many years of dating and however many breakups I've been through at this point, is that you will get over it. 
it seems like you won't in this moment. And it will seem like that for probably many moments to come. But eventually there will come a day when you wake up and that person will not be the first thing you think about. Um, They won't even be maybe even on your on the list of things to think about at all. So Tom heals all. Um, the heartbreak will heal. Um, that's not, that's, I feel like that's really a different, that's different. I I can't, that's different advice. That's someone that in particular is advice for someone who's gone through a breakup or a divorce. I feel like the loss of a loved one to death is a much different scenario. And I think the grieving process is much different and much longer and much more intricate. Um, but I think just in terms of, the bad breakups and and I've never been married, but I think just from my friends who I know who have gone through divorce, um, you will get past it. And Tom, again, Tom is, is Tom taking one day at a time. You don't have to take, you don't have to live tomorrow today. Yesterday's already happened. Tomorrow hasn't happened yet. You have grace for the moment. Walk each moment as it comes and don't overwhelm yourself with too much with yesterday or tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. You know, taking it a day at a time because each, each of those situations has very much its uniqueness. I mean, all, all situations of grief have their uniqueness. And so, um, it is important. I think you're right to take this thing a day at a time, recognizing you're not always going to feel this way. And it may be hard to wrap your heart around right now when you're in the midst of it and you can't imagine not feeling this way, but it it is not always going to feel this way. Um, uh, but I love what you said right there in order to heal, we do have to feel we've got to experience these, um, deep places of grief. You know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to, um, someone's probably listening to this and they're hearing you say, Hey, listen, okay. You know, this isn't, this isn't some kind of holding pattern for your life. This isn't some kind of a waiting season. Um, but what, Mandy, what if I feel like, I mean, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. I've got this hope. I've got this dream of being married, being with somebody, having a significant other. Uh, I mean, heck, just dating somebody, right? I just, I want to do life with somebody else. And, and so I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying and I want to be able to embrace that, but I'm not feeling that right now. I'm feeling this dissonance with what you're saying, how do I, are there some practical things that I can do to begin to try to train myself? Cause I don't imagine this is something you just stumble upon, right? You don't just like stumble upon embracing this, right? So what can I do practically in this season? Because I want my heart to be wrapped around this idea of embracing it. Um, but I'm just not feeling that right now. Yeah. Well, I think first of all, you, you do kind of have to allow yourself to feel how you feel. And that's not saying to dwell in it for a, an undefined amount of time from here to eternity. But I think acknowledging and validating, because how you feel it, I validate that for anyone who's feeling that. I feel that at times too. But I think also recognizing that you, again, it's the, it's the, we're humans and we can have room. There's space in our hearts and our minds and our lives to carry two realities. And it's okay to have that reality of, yes, I really, really want 
to be married. I really want to have a, a part, a person, a partner, a teammate. Yeah. Um, but it's not okay to let that reality stop you from living your life. It's not okay to let those feelings stop you from living your life. And I think I would just encourage you to, one of the biggest things I think that I've, I've tried, I mean, it's really simple, but <laughs> I try to remember that, you know, don't get so stuck on looking at the one kind of love that you don't have in your life that you completely look past all the other kinds of love that you do have in your life. Because there are many, I mean, yes, romantic love is great. And I don't know that you can really compare anything to it, but there's also love of friends. There's also love of, you know, family, of community, of church, of your pets, of yourself, there's of your job. I mean, there's so many things in this life to love. And, and again, going back to the hope deferred, there's so many other things to hope for. So I would encourage you to sit down and yes, you have this one great big hope and keep that hope alive. Don't, nobody's telling you to extinguish that hope. I still have that hope. I still have that fire burning in my heart that someday I will meet someone and, you know, we will live happily ever after. So keep that hope, but then sit down and make a list of all of your other hopes. Because have you let this one, if you let this one hope eclipse the entirety of your life, that's really sort of heartbreaking just in and of itself. That's more heartbreaking to me than walking through the rest of your life as a single person. That's great. Letting that, it's almost like some people let it become like an idol. Like if, if I can just get to the mountaintop of marriage, everything else in my life will be perfect. And then everything else in your life, you just completely forget about and neglect and abandon and overlook in pursuit of this one goal. So I would say sit down and make a list of, yeah, you have this one hope and this one wish over here. But then what are your other hopes? Like, what else do you want to do with your life? Um, what dream do you want to chase? What great big life goal do you want to set for yourself or even really small goal that you want to set for yourself and and work towards attaining, whether it be, you know, working out more or going back to school or buying a house. Don't wait. Don't wait for marriage to do all these. Cause again, I think a lot of women too, Oh, I'm going to wait to buy a house. I'm going to wait to, you know, to be a mom. I mean, for me, I've actually started looking into adopting as a single woman. And again, have the hope, keep the hope alive, but don't let the hope of marriage eclipse the rest of your life because there's so many other amazing, beautiful, you know, even God breathed things that you can do and achieve and accomplish in your life that are completely separate from marriage and marriage might come along and add to that or marriage may never come along. That's the reality for some people. But if you build your own life and you find that peace with yourself and you, you know, start realizing all these great big dreams that you have for yourself outside of marriage, I really think you'll be okay. And that's kind of where I'm at in my life now. Like, yeah, I want somebody to join me in my life, but I'm not going to stop living my life if they don't. That's great. That's so good. Who knows, right? If you start down that pathway of pursuing your purpose maybe, maybe that, maybe that's where that person is, is down that path, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're needing to do some things. The Lord's like, Hey, you need to, you need to get some things started and going. I've got purposes for you to fulfill right now. And you're going to, that, that person's down that pathway. And 
that's how you know that that person's going to be the right partner for you is because they're already pursuing those same purposes too. They're running hard after the Lord, right? And so now it's not, you know, now it's it becomes this easy compatibility, this complement complementing relationship because you guys are walking those those pathways together and uh it, it's it, you just never you never know, but I think you're exactly right. We can't delay or defer the purposes that God has placed in each one of us. Well, and I can say too, you definitely are not going to meet your person by sitting at home crying, feeling sad about being <laughs> single all the time. So yes, so sit at home and cry sometimes. We all need that good Hallmark right. movie ice cream night. Do that sometimes. But you're not, you know, your person isn't going to be magically dropped on your doorstep as you're sitting inside moping about being single. So it's more likely that you're going to meet someone, like you said, when you are out there, like, chasing that goal or pursuing that dream or, you know, following that, you know, God's leading to some bigger destination, you're more likely to encounter someone along the way to your goals than you are setting at home, deferring your goals. So good. That's so good. I I think, you know, and this, this is what I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I was just kind of having a reflective moment of, what, when was it that, that it kind of shifted for me in my grieving process after losing my, my first wife? Like when, when did it feel like, okay, things began to shift and I began to like embrace life again or, or, or live, begin to live again, kind of see life as color again. And I think it came to the point where I finally and decidedly chose to embrace what had happened. And, you know, they say that, right? The grief journey, there has to be this, there's a phase of just acceptance, where it's like, this is not how I saw it going. This is not even, even the phrase, this is not how it should be. Right. And we can talk about that from a macro level in terms of pain and suffering. God did not intend for death to be entered into this equation whatsoever. And, and so on that level, it's not how it should be. And yet it, it, it is like this. And so the gap between the, not how it should be and the is right. Is I've got to come to a place of acceptance of reconciling those. And once I find, once I come to that place of acceptance or even to the next level of that, embracing that is when I can live again, is when I can live out the purposes that God has called me to as a whole person. Right. And I think that that is true for every season of our life where, you know, Paul says that in every season I have found contentment. Right. And, and that's the, that's the um, the invitation the Lord is is extending to all of us in each one of those seasons is how do we find contentment in each season that we're in, uh, knowing that He's the only one that's going to be able to sustain us and, and fulfill us. Um, M- Mandy, I've got I want to I want to dig into this a little bit because I'm, I'm I think you have a shared experience with a lot of our listeners, but you you talk about in the news Newsweek article pretty vulnerably about feeling ghosted by some friends. Uh, almost abandoned during this really difficult season where both your mom and your dad received a, a cancer diagnosis. And I feel like a lot of folks who are listening to this, no matter what their experience is, they feel that loss of community when they walk in pain and suffering. How did you navigate that? And how do you come to a place of, you know, even like forgiveness and, and, and sorting through that uh, when it feels like your friends didn't show up in the most pivotal moment of your life? Well, and, and I will say after 
I wrote that article and shared it, I heard from multiple people who said, that's amazing that you went through that. Like one of my dear friends, um, she lost both of her parents in the span of a year. And Mm. she said that her like lifelong best friends basically did the same thing to her in that season. And I don't really know what to to chalk that up to. I, hers was before COVID, so I, I don't really know that we can blame it on COVID. I know that everybody was going through their own personal challenges through COVID and just really trying to survive and keep their head above water. So right. I think that that could certainly be a factor. But I think for me, it was reaching the place where I just stopped asking myself or stopped trying to understand why. And kind of like what you said a minute ago, just that place of acceptance and saying, okay, these, this is what happened. These are two friends. One, I have literally been friends with her since before she was born. Um, her, when we were lifelong friends that lived across the street from each other, like from before she was born, we were connected and she knew my parents and, you know, her family was my family and, didn't show up in that season. And it was so mind boggling to me. And, and I did try, I mean, I think the human inclination is to want to make it make sense and to try to find, you know, an explanation, try to sort out the why, but I think the why doesn't really matter so much. I think at the end of the day, um, you can drive yourself crazy trying to, to understand why, another imperfect human, you know, hurt you or did something unfair or unjust or betrayed you or let you down or ghosted you or whatever the situation may be. But it's not, no matter how much you drive yourself crazy, you're never going to understand it. And even they probably don't understand it. And you'd never get a satisfying explanation, um, no matter how much you beat your head up against the wall. So I think for me, just coming to a place of realization of, you know what, um, true or hard times reveal true friends. And this was a pruning, uh, experience for me. And yes, it was painful and awful and even devastating and eye opening, but I'm still here and I'm still okay. And instead of continuing to focus on what I've lost, I'm going to focus on what remains. And, you know, what remained for me was I still have my best friend who I've known since we were in eighth grade and she has been there, you know, every step of the way and prayed and supported and encouraged. And she, she never left. She stuck around. And for me, that's worth more than gold. I mean, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you need to have this, you know, this long list of BFFs. And for me, that's not the case at all. I mean, certainly I have other friends, but as long as I have that one tried and true rod or die person in my corner, I consider myself lucky and blessed and I have that. And so I think just, just for anyone else who might be going through a similar experience, I think it just comes down to simply deciding that you're going to let it go and that you're not going to let it cause you to lose sleep or steal your peace or your joy or turn it inward. Cause I think that's also a human reaction to have like, Oh, well, what did I do? Why am I not good enough? Why, why do you not care about our friendship? Because 
it most likely has absolutely nothing to do with you. It's it's right. the other person and whatever they had going on or whatever decision they made or whatever inability to, you know, emotionally show up for you in that moment, that's on them, that's not on you. So I think just accepting that this is what happened. It is terrible and unfair and I hate it, but I can either let it continue to overshadow my life and define you know, my life and my friendships, or I can release those people and recognize that they were no longer meant to walk with me on my journey and move on with my life. And that's what I had to choose to do because I had way too many other things, you know, to focus on and to more important things like being there for my parents. Um, and, uh, you know, just being a support system for my family and maintaining my own mental and emotional health. Um, Yeah, I just really had to accept it and then let it go. And that's so that I know it sounds easier said than done, but most things in life that really matter are easier said than done. But you still got to do them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. I'm Andy. I'm so sorry that that had to have been so hard. And it it's the same experience many of us have uh, have felt. You know, in these times of uh, suffering and trial, is that you know, for whatever reason, whether it's because they don't know what to say or how to show up or now all of a sudden we are a different version of ourselves because of what we're experiencing that, that, you know, their love for us, their friendship wasn't strong enough to be able to, to ride into that season or whether it's because the Lord is doing a intentional pruning so that, you know, some of those, I mean, I mean, scripture says that even the branches that bear fruit, they like one spore fruit, they're still bearing fruit, so to speak, that they have to be pruned away so that the, the plant itself can experience this renewed sense of growth. And, you know, Jesus likens that to our life as well. And that there are some of those seasons that as you're stepping into a new season, a new phase of growth that some people are not able to go with you there. Um, and that can be very difficult to palate. Yeah. And, There's a quote that I've always loved by Rick Warren that says, um, God removed, I'm going to butcher it, but something to the effect of God removed that person from your life for a reason. Don't chase after them. And I think it, it is sort of like the, again, the human sort of inclination to want to chase after them and say, wait, stop, where are you going? But it's kind of like yeah. you, I think in my life in particular, I have come to recognize that when God doesn't want some in my, someone in my life, he just kind of removes them from my life. And, and I don't mean yeah. to say like in some dramatic, you know, traumatic death way. I just right. mean, right. he reaches down and plucks them out of my journey and yeah. moves them right along. And I've kind of had to just learn to make peace with that and to recognize that, you know, not everyone can go where you're going. And um, I think we kind of expect people to show up for us the way that we know that we would show up for them. And that's just, I mean, that's just not usually the way it goes. And, um, you know, just again, recognizing, Hey, if this person was meant to be, and on my journey with me, they would be, and they're clearly, it's been made very, very clear that they're not. And I have to, I can either continue to chase after them fruitlessly and waste my own time and my own life and miss out on these other great friendships, or 
I can just release them and with peace and forgiveness and let them go on their own journey. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. I think that's helpful advice for the entire thing that we've been talking about. No matter what, no matter how someone leaves your life, you know, um, that it's, it's very, it's very helpful to, uh, to just put it through the lens of trusting God in that. It, again, easier said than done. It sounds so simple. And yet, man, isn't that the battle every single day for us to say, all right, Lord, I trust you with my lot in life right now. I trust you. I trust that you've got still good plans and purposes prepared for me. And I want to walk in those plans and purposes, despite, you know, whether I'm walking with somebody or or not, whether I'm walking this this alone, and so that I mean, I, Mandy, I just lo- I love what you're what you're doing and the message that you're carrying, and how you're helping so many other, so many people in this space. Um, and so thanks for for spending time with us, um, and and being willing to dive into this, dissect it a little bit more. And this has been so helpful for me, and I know for so many people who are listening to this. Where can we follow you? Where can we kind of get some more of? of the things that you're talking about and, and really tune in. I know it's going to be so helpful. Um, you can find me online at mandyhale.com and then I'm on pretty much any social media um, at The Single Woman. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Mandy, for spending time with us. It's been such an honor. Thank you so much. It was a joy. Well, Davey, I'm officially a Mandy Hale fan. That's right. Does yeah, it make you was, when you when you like hear? Does it make you want to like put your hand up and just kind of so put your hands ladies, up? All the single ladies like that. Yeah, I was trying not to. Like I didn't want to be that person, but I I confess it was in my head. Like the, the reality whole time I was is, listening. is everybody who listened to this thought about that. I mean, Unless Beyonce living just under a her for the past twenty five years. It's everywhere. Years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, I did. I wanted I to throw it. my hands up. No, I, I loved. I, I loved. Um, I loved a lot of what she had to say, especially when she talked about like friends ghosting her in times of Mm. trouble. Cause I think single or not, you know, we can all kind of relate to what that feels like when somebody doesn't offer us the support that we expect or when they ghost us or, um, yeah, just really, really appreciated that. And, um, you know, I think it's that that can be part of the pain. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think it's important along that note to, to go, there's so many different, um, circumstances that we can experience in life that we, we can take as classroom circumstances and learning experiences mm. and go, you know, how would I do this differently on the other side of the table? So I think mainly yeah. I think about that when it comes to like, if you're, if you have a bad boss, right. Yep. Yep. And you're kind of button up against your boss and stuff. Well, okay. Well, when you become a boss, if, and when, right. If you you now have a, you're a leader of a team mm-hmm. or whatever, what what kinds of things can you learn from that experience to say okay here's yeah. what not to do here's how this person yeah. that I'm leading feels right, and I think the same thing is true when it comes to that those kinds of friendships. It's like, well, how do I be a good friend even though that's a very wounding, painful experience for your friends not to show up for you in those times of struggle? Right, what does that mean right. now for me to be a good friend? Yeah, and yeah. um, and and the other thing is I've. Like, it's just, you know what I've experienced too before, and this has been a very sobering, is that mm. that I have been guilty of doing the exact same thing that other people have done to me. Mm. Yeah, that's never fun when you're like, oh, wait, I'm the, I'm I'm the, the plank in that, my own eye oh, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. 
And so it's like, yeah, I was thinking about that when she was saying that I'm going, man, mm. I think I've ghosted people. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. And yes, yeah. I've been ghosted and it's like, right. Oh. Right. And so it's just, it becomes a sobering reality of, yeah, wow, I really need grace in this too. Yeah, you know, so, so true. So true. But okay. So we are in the uh, pattern of answering your questions that you're posing on the community platform. Nothing is slash community. Join our community platform for free and pose your questions there on the main discussion feed. Aubrey and I are going to take those in these segments and we're going to answer them. And one of the questions I think that pertains really well to this episode is someone asked, do you ever ask the question, why did this happen to me? Mm. Do you ever ask the question, why did this happen to me? And I think this is appropriate because whatever the season we found ourselves in, right? Like, why do I not have a spouse? Why do I not yeah. have kids? Why did this tragedy happen? Why mm-hmm. did I lose my job? Why did, mm-hmm. why did this happen to me? Do you ever ask yourself that question? Uh, <laughs> I would say, I want to yes. hear what you have to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the short right. answer. Yes. Right. I have asked myself this question uh, many times. And so, yeah. yeah. Aubrey, why I mean, don't you I take was, that first? And I, you know, I, I was thinking that I, Yes. I mean, I, 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 maybe I sound like kind of a crybaby or something, but I asked that a lot <laughs> in seasons of pain and suffering. I, I mean, I tend to be a little more dramatic anyway, and I'm thankful that the Lord you loves me and, and knows me. Yeah, I'm an Enneagram okay. 4. God knows that. God made me as I am. That's God right. is sanctifying me. But I uh, definitely, I, I kind of have a, I mean, let me be a little funny and then let me get a yeah, little serious. Sure. Like yeah. I do have a little bit of a dramatic propensity. And so I can definitely be like, whoa, whoa is me. Like I can, I can make <laughs> myself a martyr if I'm not careful. You know, what's so funny to me is like, what? I have trouble putting you in the box of an Enneagram four because I've really, I've really never seen that side of you. I know yeah. like you, My husband you show can tell up you some so things. professionally <laughs> with me and with it. you right. Thanks, and baby. so, Thanks. you know, I, and, and. I mean, just as you're listening to this, you're probably like, well, do you guys not hang out all the time? Aubrey and I are close, but like, yeah. we talk once a month, right? right it's right. not we like we're, we've got life yeah. going on. We've got all kinds yeah. of things. And then we try to find yeah. some times that we're able to like connect and right. stuff. And so I'm not, right. we're not doing life together. So I don't see you in those spaces. <laughs> and so I have always had trouble putting you in the bucket of an Enneagram four. I'm like, man, she hides that because I know other fours right. that can really... Right. Like get into that. Well, deep, I've dark. also, I mean, to be fair to me, I yeah. have, I've done the Enneagram work for over 20 years. And so like, I've done some four work for a very, very long time. So some of that is work. like, yeah, not me hiding good. it, but me like, God has done some good work in my life. So but you ask yeah. my husband, he'll, he'll tell you that like <laughs> four Aubrey shows up and I well, do, he's I a do seven and yeah, he seven. hates anything like that. Right. <laughs> so that could be more opposite in that. Oh, in that category. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to have a whole other podcast conversation about oh, that. So yes. Man. Do I ans- do I ask why? Yes. On a serious note though, I mean, I like, you know, I wrote a book about lament and yeah. and why is one of the lament questions. Yep. How is That's one right. of those lament questions? And That's so right. I actually now, some people will tell you, you should never ask God why. You should just trust him. You should. I actually don't think that's biblical. I disagree. Yep. We see very yep. faithful followers of Jesus. By the way, we see Jesus doing it on the cross to his father. Why, why have, have you, you forsaken wow. me? Like, so good. We are allowed. We are invited. We are given the biblical language by God himself to ask that question. Because if we don't ask it of God, 
we're going to turn to the world. We're going right. to turn to numbing. We're going to turn to addiction. Right. And so God would rather you run to him with your questions of why and how could you and what mm. is going on, God, than walk away from him in doubt and despair and, mm. and anger. And so I'm telling you, as raw as wow. you need to be, you are invited by the God who gave himself to you and for you to ask him your why questions. Wow. It's faithful, it's biblical, and it's that's what brings healing. That's so good. That's so good. I That is exactly what I was thinking, Aubrey. You you have to. It is necessary you that you go through that yeah. step of asking why. Yeah. That's yeah. typically the first question you're asking. Yeah. Um, one of the things we do in, our, in that webinar, you know, you guys have probably heard some us talk about the five steps to taking back your story mm-hmm. that that webinar that we do and that's what i teach there's five steps it's really five questions you have to you have to ask and they typically go in this order this is typically the journey the first one that we talk about is why mm-hmm. and try to debunk that whole notion that you shouldn't question god yeah. you shouldn't ask why so yes the answer is yes i ask why a lot especially in the beginning i was asking why a lot and God meets you in that why. Yep. And that's what's that's crazy. Right. Now, here's the thing. He doesn't often <laughs> explain Answer to you, you why. Right, right. He God answers. doesn't explain himself very often. <laughs> right. He answers, but there's not often an explanation, right? Yeah. Part of it is because our our brains are so tiny <laughs> compared mm-hmm. to the vastness yeah. of the mysteries of God. We yeah. can't understand it. We just can't. His ways are much higher than ours. His, mm-hmm. his ways are mysterious. Um, I believe that one day we will. I believe that one yeah. day like we'll see Jesus and it'll be like, oh, wow, okay, right. I right. get it, right? Um, and that's the encouragement. I like. I derive that, uh, that encouragement a lot when I think about like Amanda, you know, my late wife that passed. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe she sees the full picture, that Jesus is giving yeah. her the full picture. And yeah. so she's yeah. just cheering me on, right, at the end of the race. Like, come on, keep going, right? Yeah. yeah. And so... I don't know if that's true or not, but that's helpful for me. So, um, oh, she is. She's in that great cloud of witnesses. That's, true. that's great biblical. Cloud of witnesses. Yep. That's good. She is. She's yep. cheering you on. So the the why is is important, but but God's not often going to give you that explanation, and so he he'll end up shifting your questions as mm. you yeah. ask why. Yep. But you can't skip over why because why is a prerequisite to mm-hmm. the next question or the next mm-hmm. several questions, and those other questions are what lead you to healing. And so, um, so I would say that, you know, and then God's going to offer something greater than explanation. That's right. Um, you know, he's going to offer you consolation and then he's going to offer you restoration. And he's, so here I am being all preacher and bringing all these to the (laughs) rhyming, but but it is, this is, this is the reality. (laughs) So, so I would say yes, absolutely. And, and I, and I would encourage you, I think that, you know, implicit within this question is not just a do you ever, but also like, well, well, how do you grapple with this? That's what mm-hmm. you have to do is you just have to take that why to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, really, there's yeah. no replacement for that. Um, yeah. I can't give you answers as to why. Aubrey can't give yeah. you answers. No guests that we have on this podcast. Right. Now we can pontificate and we can wrestle with you and we can grapple and we can like bring insight from our own journey into this and we can right. bring scripture right. until and we can bring, you know, but the Lord is going to meet you in that why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. There's a there's a beautiful psalm and it's a short one. If you need one to read, Psalm 13, where David is is it's a lament psalm. He's not asking why, but he is asking how. How long, mm-hmm. O Lord? How long, O Lord? And then you see David in the middle of the psalm. He kind of shifts 
yeah. to begin like remembering some good things about God. Oh, but yeah, but God, yep. I, you know, I'm asking this question, but I remember, I remember. And then by the end, he's worshiping God again. Yeah. And so I think that's the journey we're all on. And it won't necessarily take the few paragraphs of a yep. lines of a poem, like a psalm, but the life kind of spiritual journey is to ask God those right. questions, remember his goodness, and he'll right. show up with his presence. And and that's why Davy and I are both saying, yes, yeah. we ask. And you're you are meant to ask God your ways. Yep. And and can I put this, I'll kind of add this on the end of it. This goes back to what we were saying earlier about embracing, right? And like the embracing what is. Because as we ask right. these questions, really what we're saying is like, we're not, we don't accept what is, so we're asking these questions, right? Mm -hmm. But the end of that journey or, you know, down the road of that journey is coming to a place of contentment and, and finally acceptance and embracing. So then you can go, then you can start to ask other questions like, well, what do I do from here? Like, yeah. how yeah. do you want me to participate in this? Like, what is, mm. so every one of us has to get to a place of contentment in whatever season we're in. That's what Paul challenged each one of us in the, in the new Testament, right? That he had found contentment, whether in abundance, whether in um, yeah. poverty, you know, no matter the season that he was in, he's finding contentment and that's Shalom. That's the peace mm -hmm. that, that we're all desiring and craving. And so the Lord takes us on that journey to that. So uh, again, questions are a prerequisite. They're a prerequisite. So we want to help you wrestle with that nothingiswasted.com. We have all kinds of resources there for you. We actually have a pain to purpose toolkit that's there for you. And it, it brings out some of these questions. It's like the top 10 questions that people ask uh, when it comes to pain and suffering. And so we do some teaching and that stuff. And so you can go and check some of that stuff out. Nothingiswasted.com again, where we want to help you partner with God to take back your story. We would love to also thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Download and stream his music anywhere you can download and stream music. You can follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Follow me at Davey Blackburn and follow Aubrey at AubSamp. Next week, Davey is joined by Christina Stanton. This is going to be a powerful 9-11 episode. She's a survivor of 9-11 yeah. and is joining us to share her story. She wrote about it in a book called Out of the Shadow of 9-11. You are not going to want to miss it. So let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davey's conversation with Christina Stanton. So really, our story about 9-11 is all tied to where we were living, because we wouldn't have had this uh, a similar experience if we hadn't been living um, ultimately but, uh, within six blocks of the Twin Towers of the World right. Trade Center complex. So love the apartment. And what I loved about it was they had, uh, there was this wonderful 300 square foot terrace that was connected to our huge 800 square foot apartment on the 24th floor, again, six blocks away from the Twin Towers. And the terrace faced the Twin Towers, which is why I loved it so much and fell mm. in love with it. So we moved into this apartment July the 7th of 2001. And I was 32. My husband wow. was 35. We had been married a year and a half. We had just got a, a dog and... Um, we were just ready to start life. I thought, wow, you know, I have this wonderful husband who has this wonderful job with IBM. Look at me. I have a 300 square foot terrace in the sky, almost like my version of a penthouse. I, I felt <laughs> like I'd really made it. Like yeah. literally the sky was the limit. And so we were only in that apartment for two months before the attacks happened. So that morning I was still asleep and my husband was awake 
The impact of the first plane hitting the North Tower was so close to our apartment building, it shook our building, and he knew something horrible had just happened. 